Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, A Warning Against Apostasy. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we know from your holy word that you are eager to help us. You are eager to save us. You are eager to forgive us our sins. You are eager to guide us and heal us. You are eager to instruct us in your word. Therefore, O God, we come before you as empty vessels. Fill us to overflowing with your salvation. We come before you as sinners. Forgive us our sins. We come before you hungering. Feed us with your truth. Have mercy upon everyone, O God. You brought your people this morning to this place where your son is by the Spirit of the living God. Therefore, O God, may we not just see people. Help us to see God in the midst and help us to reach out and touch him and be healed, be saved, be forgiven, be comforted by his everlasting comfort. To this end we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. 26 through 31. I want to speak to you about apostasy. Warning against apostasy. And it is a warning, not people outside the church, but it's a warning to you. Every one of us. This morning, God is warning. Who is an apostate? Pagans, in one sense, cannot become an apostate. Only those who claim to be God's people can become apostates. Apostenai in Greek means to stand away from the gospel, from Christ, from the living God. And stand away from this living God, opposed to the living God and his gospel. An apostate person is one who heard the gospel, even believed the gospel, even experienced power of the Holy Spirit in his life, in a non-regenerative way. Yet in due time he turns against the gospel and becomes an enemy of Jesus Christ. And I have seen people doing this in my life in this church. There is the potential for apostasy in the church of God. Church consists, and you can picture the church in terms of two concentric circles. 
those who are truly regenerate, eternally chosen, therefore historically chosen to be saved forever. And then there are people who profess faith, who even experience to some degree the power of the Holy Ghost and yet not true believers. And in due time their foot shall slip. In due time they prove themselves to be unregenerate, prove themselves to be false brothers. In due time they will become apostate. I have seen old people doing it, young people doing it. These are people who have been baptized and expressed credible confession in the church. We find examples of apostates in the Old and New Testaments. Saul, the first king of Israel, became an apostate. Judas, one of the twelve apostles, became an apostate. The third and fourth chapters of the book of Hebrews describe the apostasy of the Israelites in the wilderness. Majority of them did not enter into the rest promised to them. And we are told because of their unbelief. Chapter 3 verse 12 we read. See to it brothers. That none of you. Has a sinful and unbelieving heart. That turns away. That is the word apostasy. Apostenai. Ento apostenai apotheusontos. Turns away from the living God. And you read chapter 6, 4 through 6. It tells us it is impossible to renew the apostates to repentance. It is impossible if they turn, fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Such apostates must experience the covenant curse of everlasting destruction. Not for the pagans the bottom of hell is reserved. It is reserved for the people of God who abandoned gospel and became enemies of Christ and his cross. Let me tell you a principle. God's judgment is according to knowledge. Greater the knowledge, greater the responsibility, and greater the punishment for apostasy. And Jesus himself laid down this principle. 
Luke chapter 12, 47 and 48. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. The Bible gives us a number of reasons for apostasy, which is the deliberate turning away from the living God. And first, of course, is persecution. Jesus himself said so. Matthew 24, verse 9 and 10. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. In Matthew 13, verse 20 and 21, rocky soil Christians will turn away from the gospel because of persecution and because of trouble. Second reason is worldliness. Second Timothy 4 verse 10, Demas has abandoned me, became an apostate, having loved this present age, this present evil age. Or Matthew 13, verse 22, the thorny soil Christians. Worries of life, pleasures of sin, and deceitfulness of riches made them an apostate. Or turn with me to 1 John, chapter 2, about this worldliness which is creeping upon us. As we live in this country, more money the better, bigger house better. First John 2 beginning with verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, sir, everything, the cravings of sinful man, the lust, of the, his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. Now he says the world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. And the third false teachers. Turn with me to Matthew 24 again. Now let me read to you. From verse 11. And we have false teachers all around us. Verse 11 says. And many false prophets will appear. And deceive many people. False teachers. In 2 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. 
Instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Tell us pleasant things. Entertain us. Number four, neglect of the means of grace. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 we read, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Neglect of the means of grace. Neglect of God's word. Neglect of prayer. Neglect of fellowship. Neglect of worship. In chapter 10 of Hebrews and verse 25, let us not neglect, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Sunday morning comes, you don't feel like going to church. You have a problem, sir. You have a very serious problem. You are about to become an apostate. And number five reason, fifth reason is mindless traditionalism. I was born a Jew, I die a Jew. Born a Catholic, I die a Catholic. Born an Orthodox, I die an Orthodox. I was born an Orthodox. My parents were leaders in the Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox denomination. We built schools, churches and so on. But when we heard the gospel, we turned away from mindless traditionalism. We committed ourselves to the gospel. The Bible says new wine cannot be contained in old wine skins of mindless traditionalism. Warning against apostasy. I agree with Professor Gerald Hawthorne. And he says this, there is no objective evidence that one who has made his Christian confession and has been baptized is indeed a Christian. Other than the daily perseverance in love and good works, that is a persistence in the very essence of what his confession implies. Therefore, by way of introduction, I want to tell you, make your calling and election sure. Examine yourselves and see whether you are in the faith. And the way of examining is very simple. Are you being sanctified? Are you doing the will of God? Professor John Frame his view can be summarized this way. Those who are eternally chosen unconditionally shall be historically chosen to eternal salvation. Such people shall persevere to the end. But those who are only historically chosen, that means brought up in the church, shall not persevere. Many in Israel were not eternally chosen, 
And so they perished. And it is so also in the church age. But if you are eternally chosen, unconditionally, you will be historically chosen and you will be saved. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 8, which gives this great statement. Beginning with verse 29, for those God foreknew that is eternally chosen, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined he also called, those he called he also justified, and those he justified he also glorified. So I want to speak to you two things from this text. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. Apostasy and judgment. Apostasy and judgment. First is apostasy. Let's turn to the text where New International Version is wrong. There should be the first word should be for... Which is the logic, explanation, reason for. Because it is connecting with the previous verse for. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth. No sacrifice for sins is left. Verse 26 explains what the writer intimated in verse 25. He was speaking about those who deliberately and habitually abandoned the means of grace, public worship, and fellowship. And he spoke about that and he made mention of the day approaching, the day of judgment. The day of the coming of the Lord is approaching. And there were some who neglected the means of grace. It's a warning then. And so here it is the explanation for. If we deliberately keep on sinning. Deliberately. Is the first word in the Greek text. In this verse. That means emphasis. The apostle is underscoring the importance of hekousios. Deliberately. They were not sinning ignorantly. They were sinning defiantly, deliberately, knowingly, freely, willingly, high-handedly. Turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 15, where we read something about deliberate and high-handed sinning. Beginning with verse 30, Numbers 15, beginning with verse 30. But anyone who sins defiantly, whether native born or alien, blasphemes the Lord. And that person must be cut off from his people because he has despised the Lord's word and broken his commands. That person must Surely be cut off. No atonement for his sin. 
His guilt remains on him. And not only that, he sins defiantly, but he sins daily. The Greek expression is present tense. If we deliberately keep on sinning, it has become a habit. But I want you to understand, the Bible does not teach sinless perfection in this life. The author is not teaching sinless perfection here. Sinless perfection is self-delusion. The Bible tells us that we may sin, but not defiantly and not continually. Turn with me to First John. First John chapter 1. Verse 8 and 9. Here is the apostle says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And chapter 2, First John, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, that is, will not sin continually, habitually, but if anybody does sin, that tells you God's people may slip, may sin, but if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And you read Galatians 6, 1 and so on. We oppose Novationism of the 3rd century. A teaching that said God does not forgive post-baptismal sins. Now we don't believe that God will not forgive us post-baptismal sins. Apostates sin deliberately, defiantly, daily. They walk out of light into pitch darkness and they love it. Turn with me to the Gospel of St. John. And let's study the anatomy of this apostate. Judas. He was an apostle. He believed in Jesus. He experienced Holy Ghost. He preached the gospel. He healed the sick, cast out devils, and so on. But take a look at chapter 13. Verse 2, that evening meal was the evening meal was being served, and the devil has already prompted. Judas is He comes under the influence of the devil. And verse 27 says, the devil entered him. Not only prompted, entered him, takes complete control. And verse 30, he walked out from the Holy Communion and apostle says, and it was night. He turns away the brightness of light 
And he chooses pitch, moral, say, darkness. And you see First John chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us. These were leaders, these were teachers, these were Christians. They went out from among us, but they did not really belong to us. You see, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. False brothers, apostates, unregenerate, not eternally chosen, but historically chosen only. Notice the text says in verse 26, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, epignosis tesaletias, the full knowledge of the truth. Not a little bit something, but the full knowledge of the truth. This means after receiving the full revelation of the gospel which Jesus Christ disclosed to us. So Hebrews chapter 1 we read in the past. God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. So the apostates are people who have received the final and full revelation in Jesus Christ. They know clearly the person and work of Christ. They heard the full gospel which is God's power unto salvation. Yet they reject this brightness of light. Look at chapter 2 of Hebrews. Beginning with verse 1, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord? was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testifying to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And you go home, or let me read to you chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened... who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the coming age, if they fall away. After receiving the knowledge, full knowledge of the truth. Jesus is the truth. And what do they do? Take a look at verse 29. Such people trample underfoot the Son of God. Apostates treat Jesus Christ the Son of God with extreme disgust and contempt. 
then they reject his deity they reject his sinless humanity they treat him like a cockroach and not as Christ and they tremble upon the Son of God and grind him into the dirt as people do with cigarette butts they trample him underfoot the one who is the Son greater than angels greater than Moses greater than Aaron greater than Melchizedek greater than Solomon greater than the temple God incarnate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the great high priest who by his own death accomplished redemption they despise his person that's what they do they despise his person we are told do not throw pearls before swine do not preach the gospel to people who are swines and what do they do they tremble the pearls down and charge against the preacher of the gospel that is the idea trembling the pearl of the Son of God trembling down the saving gospel despising it treating it with contempt sir and that goes for any person who hears the gospel and refuses to believe in him is trembling down Christ the only Savior but what does he do next verse 29 he considers Christ's blood to be filthy. They consider the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sins, that justifies us, that sanctifies, that brings forgiveness of all our sins, that cleanses our conscience, that secures us admittance to the presence of God as unclean and filthy. The only divine provision to cleanse us is seen as unclean and filthy. Utter contempt for the work of Christ. They consider the blood of Jesus same as the blood of a common man. They reject its eternal efficacy to save anyone. They reject the cross and the substitutionary atonement. They are sophisticated people, sir. They reject the doctrine of atonement. They reject the blood of Christ, which activated the new covenant and ushers in new covenant blessings of a new heart and knowledge of God and utter and total forgiveness of sin. They reject it. And what else they do? Verse 29 again. They insult. Who bridge am I? They insult. The spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit of God. They insult the Holy Spirit. Whose responsibility it is. To apply Christ's redemption to sinners. 
by granting them grace it is spirit who gives grace insults the Holy Spirit who dwells in the church and blesses Christians and you read chapter 2 verse 4 and 7 chapter 6 verse 4 chapter 9 verse 14 chapter 10 verse 15 and so on that speak about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this book they insult they grieve the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity this is the sin against the Holy Spirit that cannot be forgiven turn with me to Matthew 12 and listen to what Jesus Christ himself spoke about the Holy Spirit Matthew 12 and verse 32 anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come and St. John in 1st John 5:16 calls this the sin that leads to death eternal death and the church is told not to pray for such a person because he is doomed to destruction his repentance is impossible the apostates tremble underfoot the three persons of the Godhead Father Son and the Holy Spirit they tremble underfoot their work of salvation they despise the living God and his saving work they insult and the word means hubris they, that means they are known for their insolent self-assertion against eternal almighty all-holy God when I was a boy I was chosen on the Sabbath day to stay home because yeah, somebody has to stay home because we have house and properties and cattle and this and somebody has to stay to keep an eye on things so I was there and somebody came to me and started singing in a mocking manner speaking about the Holy Ghost the song is saying O divine God set me on fire by the divine spirit of God and this man came and was mocking and as he was smoking, I looked and saw his house on fire. And he stopped mocking, he ran. The house was consumed. That is what will happen to those who insult the spirit of grace. I have sent highly educated people from this church to go to various churches. To analyze and understand what they are preaching. Large churches as well as small, the report came. No word, no Christ, no sin, no cross, no hell, no reverence. 
all a joke and entertainment. It is sad, isn't it? Apostasy is everywhere, sir. And point number two, judgment. I said greater the knowledge, greater the responsibility, therefore greater the judgment. When you look at the cross of Christ on Mount Calvary, the cross of Christ declares to the whole world two things, God's love and God's holiness. God's love and his wrath. He must judge every sin, either in Jesus Christ or in you who defy the triune God. He who neglects the gospel will be judged by Christ. Turn with me to chapter 6 and verse 2. The various doctrines. And here it is. Instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and what? Eternal judgment, sir. Eternal judgment. In chapter 9, verse 27. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Chapter 10 and verse 27. But only a fearful expectation of judgment. And verse 30. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And chapter 13 and verse 4, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And so take a look at verse 26 in terms of judgment says such apostates for such Apostates, no sacrifice for sins in behalf of sins is left. Because the apostate reject the only sacrifice for sins, the atonement of Christ. Chapter 2 verse 17 tells you that. Chapter 2 tells that God's Son became incarnate. So that he can die because wages of sin is death. And he died in our place, making atonement for all our sins. And when you reject his atonement, no more sacrifice is left for you. It is impossible to redeem the apostate. He who rejects the only Savior, Jesus, he is doomed forever. He may live out his 86 years, 75 years, and he will die a miserable death to enter into hell, there to await eternal, more heinous and horrible and scary punishment. Verse 26, such a person has a fearful expectation of judgment. It is true, sir. Every unbeliever deep within him, there is a fearful expectation of judgment coming. 
everyone knows there is a God consciousness in him there is a conscience in him and he knows he must face him fearful expectation of judgment that is a terrifying expectation a scary expectation chapter 12 verse 23 speaks about God as the judge of all men so Jonathan Edwards spoke from Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 35 sinners in the hands of a living God and he said their foot in due time shall slip and fall into the hands of the living God the living God is not a postulate of human mind He's not made of play-doh that we can fashion him as a God of love and not a God of wrath. He is love and he is holy. He is savior and he is also judge. One person. Turn with me to chapter 12 and verse 21. An information. This information is not found any place in the Bible what happened when God came upon Mount Horeb it was quaking and shaking it was set ablaze and here people were scared but here see what happened to Moses the sight was so terrifying that Moses said I am trembling with fear sir how come we are not Fearing God. The reason is we, our eyes are blinded by Satan that we will not see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5 verse 11, Paul uh, tells us, and I like King James translation, knowing the terror of the Lord. Knowing the terror of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it is important that God's people know the terror of the Lord. St. Paul knew the terror of the Lord. We must adjust our conception of God. And verse 27, we are told raging fire that consumes the enemies. Leviticus 10 tells us Nadab and Abihu, fire of God came and consumed them, ate them up. That's the word that is used. Ate them up. The holiness of God came and ate them up. The priests of the Lord. Remember the 250 friends of Korah. The fire came and ate them up. It is time this morning that you should adjust your view of God. And worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Raging fire. Which means God is essentially holy. His holiness consumes, eats up his enemies. Surrender to him and be saved. And oppose him and be consumed by his holiness. And you read recently, let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 4. 
And let me read to you this repetition of the idea of fire that appears in Deuteronomy 4. Verse 11. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire. Verse 15. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Let's turn to verse 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And verse 33. Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? And verse 36. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire. And you heard his words from out of the fire. You have a view of God as consuming fire. Exodus 20, 20, the fear of God will keep you from sinning. And every person who is sinning has no fear of God, sir. That's what it is. And turn to Isaiah 66. And the last chapter of the book of Isaiah. And it ends with hell. Oh, do, do you go to that church that speaks about fire and brimstone and hell and sin and judgment and Christ and salvation? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank God I am going to such a church. Isaiah 66 and verse 24. And they will go out. God's people and look upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me their worm will not die nor will their fire be quenched and they will be loathsome to all mankind well let's turn to Jesus himself in Matthew 13 Jesus Nice, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus. Let's listen to what he said. This sweet Jesus said. Matthew 13, verse 42. They will throw them out, throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And verse 50 of Matthew 13. And throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you go home and read Revelation 20. How anyone whose name is not found in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. And so the author says now about Moses. The Mosaic law. If anyone disobeyed it, they were killed on the basis of the testimony of two or three witnesses and that one without mercy. Right. 
And you read that in Deuteronomy 17. Without mercy. Now the argument from less to the great. If that was so about the person who defied Mosaic law, how much worse punishment do you think you are going to get? Because you have received fullness of the revelation of the gospel. They got physical death and you get eternal death. Turn with me to this argument is found already in chapter 2 of the Hebrews. Let me read from verse 2 and 3. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And now finally he gives proof for the utter judgment of the apostate. And that's the habit of this author. He just cites scripture. And when scripture speaks, that's the end of all argument. So turn to chapter 13 and verse 30. For we know him who said. The author of the scripture is God himself, sir. And therefore it is authoritative. It is unchanging. It can be trusted in terms of its promise to save us. And it's promise to judge. So he cites two portions of scripture. Deuteronomy 32 verse 35 and then 36. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. Judgment is the prerogative of God. And then he cites verse 36. The Lord will judge whom? His people. And finally, verse 31, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Do you understand that, kid? Young people, those who are flirting with other husbands and wives and men, do you have any idea what is happening? What is it? It's a dreadful thing. And the word appeared three times. Terrifying. Scary. Dreadful. What is it dreadful? To fall into the hands of the living God. God is eternal. God is ever living. God is no idol of human creation. God is creator of all. And therefore necessarily judge of all. Let me tell you, sir, no one runs away from the living God. They all run into God and fall into his almighty hands. No one can escape him. Suicide will not solve your sin problem. Pagans and apostates go to hell the moment they die. To experience torment and agony there waiting for greater judgment. So I want to conclude. What must we do, sir? I would say be like David who sinned terribly. 
he chose to fall into the hands of the Lord. Listen to what he said. I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Repent truly and believe in Jesus, the Son of God. Trust in his blood that cleanses you from all sins, that justifies, that sanctifies you. He will save you. He will help you to live a holy life to the end. Beware, brothers and sisters of Korah and company. Beware of Achan and Saul and Judas and Demas and Hymenaeus and Alexander and Hymenaeus and Philetus. But above all, Beware of God's word that speaks about coming apostasy. Matthew 24, 10, 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3, 1 John 2, 19. St. Paul speaks about false brothers. I have good counsel for you. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do so now, not tomorrow, sir. Repent now, not tomorrow. Your life is not under your control. It is in his control. Tonight, I will demand your soul. Enter the ark of God's salvation. Run to the city of refuge and be safe forever. If not, you shall fall into his hands. No mountain shall fall on you to hide you from the sovereign judge and his fearsome wrath. Sir, it is a scary thing, a dreadful thing, a frightening thing to be cast into the lake of fire on the day when he judges all who treated him with contempt. Turn with me to Matthew 10. Listen to the language of Jesus himself. Matthew 10 and verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can kill the soul and body in hell. It is fear that taught, it is grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, my fears relieved. Now if you are a child of God, fear not. He shall keep you from falling. John 6, 39 and 40, John 10, 27 through 29 and so on. But let me read to you one verse, St. Jude, verse 24. Let me read this verse to you, those who have trusted in Christ and walking carefully. Let me read to you, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. You are secure, brothers and sisters, forever. You shall persevere to the end. You are God's portion, and he is yours forever. Nothing, sir, not even death, can separate you 
from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Rejoice with trembling. And work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Make your calling and election sure. Let me tell you again, present sanctification is the only proof that we have been justified forever and so persevere to the very end. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for saving us. Lord, help us not to become an apostate. Oh Lord, even this morning, save sinners, heal the sick, raise the dead, fill the people with the Holy Ghost, baptize them. Hallelujah. Distribute your Holy Spirit upon us. Fill all empty vessels with thyself to overflowing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio with the continuing Bible series on the book of Hebrews. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.